Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hello. Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. I want to talk today about the topic of friendship. I was with a dear friend today and they asked me, what does friendship look like to you? How does it play out? What are its components? What are its characteristics? And I think at times, even the best of us can struggle with knowing how to be a genuine faithful friend due to a lot of factors. Intimidation, insecurity, perhaps mistrust, maybe we've been betrayed in the past, most of us have, or even sometimes a lack of seeing friendship as a priority in our lives. We oftentimes feel like, oh, I don't really need friendship that much. Well, to me, in my life, friendships are very important. I think throughout life I've learned to understand that our purpose in life is to learn first how to relate well to God. And for me, that includes strongly learning how to live under his smile. And from that point, learning how to relate to others well. One of my life's verses is, I always do my best to maintain a blameless conscience, both before God and men. And that's Acts 24, 16. Now, obviously, I have not attained that where that's always the case. But that's that's a plumb line for me. That's something I'm striving for. Jesus said that the two greatest commandments are first, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And that's Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36-40. So how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How do we be a friend? Can we do it in a vacuum, from a distance, in a subjective, unseen kind of way? Perhaps it's a mental ascent. As long as we think friendly thoughts, we should be good to go. So I think it's sometimes important, it's good for us to ask ourselves some questions. Like, is there room in my heart for others? Have I made room for other people? Or do I just have a very small circle? They're my friends. No one else really has any place. I just don't want to go there. Am I free enough and secure enough in God's friendship with me that I can offer that friendship to others and not just a small little circle? Am I in touch with the people around me enough to understand how I present myself and how they feel about my attitude toward them? Hmm. When people are around me, how do they feel after I'm gone, after they've been with me? 2 Corinthians 2.15, I love this verse. It says, For we are a fragrance or an aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Like we leave a fragrance in people's lives when we're around them. So 
How do I present myself to others? How do they feel when they're around me or when I've gone, after I've gone? How do, they, how do I leave them? What aroma do I leave behind? Friendship's a gift to all the parties involved. My friendships bring me incredible joy. And I hope that they bring joy to the other people involved, to the other side of that friendship. I have to say this because I know some people, this is a real hard area. But my dearest friends are my family. And that has not been without (laughs) struggle or heartache or failure. My husband and my eight kids are my closest friends. So I give a great deal of priority to those relationships. I have 18 grandkids, and I, like you, I'm sure, have spent my life investing in my kids as infants, as young people, and then adults. And I've tried, through trial and error, to navigate their transition into adulthood in such a way that has ultimately created an embracing open atmosphere that they know it's unmistakable to them that they're my beloved friends. I have had to learn to accept them freely and with great joy, whether or not they were making the choices that I thought were God's best for them, or even that the Bible says they should be choosing. That definitely took some re-education for me, some training, some help from the Holy Spirit, and some help from my kids. I had to be open to their thoughts, their their challenges to me even, their perspective. I had to be open to that, and I had to process with them, and I had to listen to them and not think, oh, well, you're, I'm the parent, you're the child, you know, what do you have to say to me? I had to really kind of learn how to open the door of my heart and let them speak to me. You know, sometimes we can become, feel so responsible for our children and their choices and how they're doing and their eternity and all those type of things. And obviously those things matter very deeply to me. I recently heard John Bevere talk, and he was talking about how he's made a contract with God in different areas of his life and how he trades his burdens, his concerns for God's peace and for hope and for trust. And I've had to learn that as well. Because again, there were days, there were times in my kid's life where I felt so responsible. I felt the burden to make sure that they were okay, make sure they made right choices. Even when they were adults, there were times, especially initially, where I thought, wait a minute, this is my, it's on me. But I've really traded that in and I've really come to experience that when we put our kids in God's hands, he's able. We can love them without the expectations or the conditions that require them to meet the standards that we have for them. I mean, we all have standards for our kids. We all have hopes. We all have aspirations. And sometimes we feel like, wait a minute, I've, I've sacrificed. I've done this. I've, I've tried to live an example in my life so that you could walk in these things, and maybe they've rejected them. You know, sadly, there's many, many young people that have walked away from the church these days, and it's actually very large numbers, and so many of us have been affected by that in our families. And rather than just be frustrated with them, I've tried to have, like, 
become more insightful into perhaps why, and to even process with them and allow them to share things and be open. And, you know, we can allow God to call them up rather than us feeling like we have to be the Holy Spirit in their lives. I want to influence my kids to know the God I love and the God who loves them. I pray for that. I earnestly desire that. But I know ultimately that my trust has to be in Him and not me. When they don't respond the way I perhaps have prayed for, the burden is not on me. And that really allows me joy just to be around them in spite of things that, you know, I I don't agree with. I can have peace. I can have joy. And so to me, friendship with my kids is really, really important. It's important that I am a refuge, a, a safe place for them, a place where they know they are unconditionally loved. So I've released their future to the Lord. So whether it's with our family or the people in our church or other people in our lives, what fragrance are we leaving behind? I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends. But my definition of a friend is not someone I call every day or every week or even at times every month. Or I go to the mall with or I tell every single personal issue of my life to or anything like that. My definition of a friend is someone who is learning to know me and to know my heart and vice versa. Some of those friendships are long-term and they have a deep level of proven trust. Some are newer and we're just learning to know each other. Some are in between. But either way, I never want my heart to be walled up. I don't want to have a big wall with people around me and in my sphere of life. I'm not afraid of people people or how they will betray me or hurt me or let me down, even though I've been betrayed before and I've been hurt many times. But I'm not afraid to risk it. I want to put it all on the field. I've learned that this is the greatest way to live. I have a pastor friend who talks a lot about fearless love. That's how I want to live my life. Have you ever heard the saying, she or he hasn't met a stranger? That meaning is they're friendly and approachable to anyone. No one's a stranger, just a friend they haven't spoken to yet. That was often said of my mom, who my husband and many others often describe as the most genuine Christian they've ever met. People would say that of her. They would say, man, she never has met a stranger. Everyone, whether it was a person cleaning the the place we were at, a restaurant or a park or whatever, sweeping the grounds, or whether it was a wealthy person that she cleaned house for, she never met a stranger. She always was warm and embracing and open. She had an open heart. There's something we can learn and glean from this old adage We've never met a stranger. Proverbs 19.22 says, What's desirable in a man is his kindness. That's obviously a woman, too. Is our kindness. The fragrance we leave behind is a kindness. I was thinking today just about life experience, and I was thinking how important it is never to view ourselves as better than others. Can we assess the behavior of others? Yes. 
Evaluate it. Evaluate our relational status with others. Sure. Can we set appropriate boundaries in our lives? Yes. But we cannot set ourselves in a superior place to people around us. Thus, keeping our hearts closed to friendships that perhaps are meant to be a part of the sphere of our lives. We have to guard our hearts from reacting out of insecurity and former betrayal and fear. I talk in the book I wrote, Love, Leadership, and Influence. One of the chapters is called The Power of Embracing Others. Embrace means to take and enclose or encircle in the arms, to accept to press to the bosom in token of affection. I love that. How wonderful is it to feel that from someone? To feel enclosed, encircled, accepted, held close in affection. I love that. I want to be that. To know you're welcomed, you're embraced. We all need people who are like a refuge to us. I sometimes talk about the fact that I want to learn to be like the father in the prodigal son. Yes, I am the prodigal son at times. And yes, I do come running back desperate for God because I've blown it. I messed up. I've done the wrong thing yet again. But ultimately, I want to learn to be like the father. I want to be what Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend that loveth at all times. Now, that doesn't mean I never speak up and encourage or exhort someone in an area of their life that they need help in. Proverbs 27, 6, and the Amplified says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve a hidden agenda. So it's okay to speak into someone's life and to graciously call them up or encourage them or challenge something, an area in their life. Now, granted, I'm not going around looking for opportunities to correct others or to jump on their frailties, but I'm willing to come alongside them and bring something to them that will help strengthen them. My hope today is to encourage you to risk being a friend. Perhaps if you've had your heart walled up, if you've been afraid, put your heart on the line again by loving fearlessly to learn how to do that. I promise you this. That can only truly happen when you know that you know that you are loved by God and that you have his smile over your life. Proverbs 18.35 says, God, your right hand upholds me and your gentleness makes me great. I love that. Let God uphold you. Let him assure you that you are loved well. Yes, he has standards. Yes, there are moral absolutes. And yes, he requires obedience. But his love empowers us to obey. His grace, his ability helps us. It gives us what we need. His gentleness makes us great. I was telling my friend today that she was saying that sometimes she just feels like she can't meet the standard, you know, like she should know better in certain areas. And it can be almost like a mantra over her life. Like, you should know better. You should do better. And I was telling her, uh, sure, I felt that way so very many times. But the mantra over my life now is God's voice that says, I got you, Pen. I got you. And I hear him tell me that a lot when I'm afraid, when I don't know what to do, when I failed, I hear him say to me, we've got this together. I've got your back. 
You have my favor. I've got you. And he empowers me to turn from something that I've done wrong or that I've allowed in my heart or in my mind. Because I want to be a good friend. I want to be a friend that loves at all times. I want to be a friend who has kindness toward others. I want to be that to my kids, to my husband, to people I meet, to new people, to people that I've known a long time. That's the fragrance I want to leave behind. So I just encourage you to allow the Lord to strengthen you in the area of friendship and to be a risk taker. Put your heart out there perhaps in new ways and let him empower you to be a wonderful friend. Thanks for being with me today for this podcast. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to the Flourish Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.